It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The pain and devastation resulting from the COVID pandemic can cause one to search for the meaning behind it. Why is there so much suffering and what can we learn from it? Life as we know it no longer exists, but is it possible that there could be a plan, one for our greater good? Joining me today to discuss how we can turn this experience into something positive is Rabbi Daniel Cohen. Rabbi Cohen is the author of the book, What Will They Say About You When You're Gone? Creating a Life of Legacy. Welcome, Rabbi. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. My pleasure. Thank you very much for uh, having me. Well, and, and I think having you join us today, Rabbi, is really more important than ever because we're living through a terrible time right now. People are hurting. There's illness and death and financial devastation all around us, and it can make anyone wonder why this is happening. I've heard people state that they believe this could be part of a divine plan that brings us back to what is truly important in life. What are your thoughts on that belief? My belief is that um, anything that happens in the world is not random. There's some message there for us. If a crisis happens, I certainly don't have a right to say to somebody else, this happened because of this that you did or whatever. That is not appropriate at the same time. To say it just happened um, is not, in my mind, also a spiritual approach. But rather, we have to each use these moments to ask ourselves, what are the things in my life that I need to pay more attention to? We will never understand why these things are happening, but we should say, for what? How can I grow through this experience, become a more grateful, sensitive person who's more focused on not only what is urgent in my life, and on what is important, and how can I be more forgiving, and how can I become a better vehicle to spread my light to the world around me? Use these moments for, I would say, self-reflection, then I think um, we would not only survive, God willing, this pandemic, but we'd rise to a much higher level as a country and as a world. Rabbi, as a man of faith, what do you say to someone who's angry at God for, quote-unquote, allowing this to happen? Those who may ask, why doesn't God step in and stop it? Um, I would say that the questions they're asking is not new. And there are many people, in fact, in the Bible itself, Moses asked God, why do bad things happen to good people? It's actually in there, the book of Exodus. And God says to Moses that you can only see my back, you can't see my face. And basically what God is saying to him is that as a human being, there is going to be an element of faith. It's impossible for me to want you to know everything because part of growth is through struggle and part of becoming a person who's more sensitive to finding God in the world is understanding that there are going to be times of darkness. And it is okay to ask those questions of why, and it's okay to be angry. The challenge, though, is, is saying, okay, now how do I respond to what I'm experiencing without lamenting the darkness and missing the opportunities to move forward constructively and to respond in a way that actually brings more light 
I always recommend that people uh, read Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, because to me, I mean, he was a person who really examined people that were in a lot worse state than us in the Holocaust, and he talked about how do people maintain their faith, and how did some come out stronger, and he says, look, the freedom of how we choose to respond to a particular situation has never been taken away from us. And we cannot change the world around us, but in this moment that we're experiencing, there are things that we can do to change the way we see the world around us so that we can hopefully instill a little more hope in places of despair and a little more light in places of darkness. And that's where I would recommend that we spend our energy. I understand that people are angry. I get angry sometimes, and I don't always feel God's presence every moment. But I know that in the moment that I'm experiencing right now, I have a choice and it's so important for us to choose life, to choose goodness, to choose the freedom to respond in a positive way. When both of my parents were sick and dying, I had the privilege of being by their side and offering whatever comfort I could to them. And that helps me now when I look back at the loss that I experienced. Today, people are dying alone, and families can't give them that type of comfort and things like the the type of rituals that help us to you know to get through all of that pain we can't do those things now so how can we help people that we know and love that are dealing with the grief of loss and not being able to be there they they have all of this extra grief now all of this guilt i think you're hitting on something which has been extremely painful for people, and it's important to acknowledge that. I mean, I've unfortunately had to officiate at many funerals over the past uh, four to six weeks, and the pain of, number one, not only being with somebody at the time of, uh, you know, their last hours, and also even at funerals, being so limited as to who can be there is painful, and it's important to acknowledge that. At the same time, what I've found is, is that you know, in that ability to do the best that you can, and I just remind people of this, if somebody is doing the best that they can in the situation that they're in, and I've had people that have put, you know, phones next to people near the end of their life or at a funeral, I believe that there may not be a hundred people there, but that soul hears the words that you say, and you are there for that person. When a person led a life that truly invested in the life of others, they will live on and God will enable their soul to continue to be a blessing. And I remind people of that, and I think it gives them comfort. I mean, one of the things that I never thought would be possible is doing um, and using, not the, a commercial for Zoom right now, but we've had Zoom at funerals. We've had Zoom for Shiva comfort visits. And it actually has been comforting, given the situation, for people to be present, even if only virtually, mm-hmm. to help people walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I thank God that if there was any time when this would be happening, it's now and not 20 years ago, because then the virtual connections that we've been using wouldn't even have been possible, and people would have been even more alone. So, you know, life is challenging during this time, but again, as I said, it gives, I think, comfort when we know that people and we're there thinking about them and praying for them and wishing them strength. All these little things do help people um, walk with a bit more faith and comfort during this time. And I think a positive out of all of this, I think that it's 
it's giving us all of this opportunity to slow down, to take stock of our life, to reconnect with what and and who is important to us. Um, I know I have been practicing gratitude. What what I've been doing every night before I go to bed is, is I've taken out a book. And I used to do this years ago when I was going through a, a difficult time. And sadly, I, I did move away from it. I just got too busy. But I've mm. taken out my gratitude journal again. And every night, I write down even the smallest of things for which I'm grateful for for that day. But, you know, there's always something to be grateful for. But now, especially, we all have so much to be grateful for. What you're saying is totally up my alley. I mean, I think about this, and all of us should every morning when I wake up in the morning, I say, you know, thank you, God, that I'm alive. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, God, that you believe in me. If anybody, when you listen to this, the very fact that right now we're here, and we can hear, and we can breathe, is I believe God saying to us, I'm with you. I care about you. I believe in you. There's something for you to accomplish. And this time in particular, I mean, in Psalms 150, it says every breath that you take. And this is a time when not everybody can breathe on their own. But if we can breathe on our own, that's a gift to be cherished and then to hopefully, you know, put that out in a way that helps us use that gift in a positive way. And there's so much good around us, Rabbi. There's so much good. Look at all the people that are putting themselves in harm's way to help another person. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think this is also, as you said, a wake-up call for us to appreciate, you know, the first responders, the people that are really um, not self-centered but other-centered in what they're doing. And it should awaken all of us, and this is my hope too, to a greater sense of, of calling. You know, we're all here. There was a mystic that said many years ago, we come into this world with our hands clenched. Babies are self-centered. When we leave this world, our hands open up. And all of life is learning how to move from being self-centered to other-centered, from holding your hands closed to holding your hands open and sharing the gifts that we have. You wrote a book about creating a life of legacy. What you had put into words back then, it was, I guess, about a year ago, how does that apply today? How can we take all of this and create a legacy? Well, I think that this moment is literally, I'm calling it like um, the Sabbath of COVID. I mean, this is definitely a pause um, to really reflect on who we are and who we want to be. You know, the book is based on the premise that, you know, when we have that crisis, whether I talked about it nationally the day after 9-11, on September 12th, people thought about their lives a little bit differently. When I lost my mother over 30 years ago from a brain aneurysm, my life was turned upside down, and I learned about the fragility of life. And the world right now understands more the fragility of life. And I would say the first step is, you know, take an hour, take a walk outside. How do we want to be remembered? What is important? What are the five words that we want to be remembered by? I'll just give a simple example. Somebody wrote to me after they did this exercise. I wrote down that I was a father, a husband, a son, a friend. And then the person said, you know, I have a sister, and I forgot to write down that I'm a brother. It must mean that I'm not spending enough time nurturing that relationship. And when we take the time to really write down what's important to us and then use that, this is my hope, God willing, when the curve flattens and and life gets a little bit back to normal, 
use that as a roadmap to try to ensure that what we're doing in life is aligned with really the kind of person we want to be. And that's what I reflect on in the book. I help people identify what their best self is, and then I give them strategies, seven principles to reverse engineer their lives so they leave lives now for how they want to be remembered. And this is one of those moments to really think deeply about, you know, how do we want to be remembered? 24 hours to live. What do we want to do and why? And, and this is, to a certain degree, getting back to your first question, we really pray for healing for everybody. But in these moments, we also should see this time when we've turned off the outside world to turn on our inner world and truly think about what is most significant and use that as a lighthouse for uh, the months and years to come. Rabbi, you just spoke about principles that you shared in your book. I I think this is a great time for a reminder. Can you just bring us through some of these very quickly? Uh, Sure. Yeah, one of the principles I call is living inspired, which is really about focusing on the passage of time. Too many of us, and I think we can relate to this, have what's called CPA, which is continuous partial attention. We never really focus on anything, (laughs) and then we forget about the gift that's in front of us. And um, it's so important to, to slow down. We can't stop time, but we can slow it down by really being fully present with the person that's in front of me right now. Put our cell phones away. I used to take my cell phone up to use as my alarm upstairs in the bedroom. I leave it downstairs so that I'm not distracted by it. Don't have it at your table. Take a walk outside with a family member. Be present. Create memories. To me, that's one of the important ways of leading a life of legacy. Another one is what I call the Elijah moment, which is based on the idea that we may not be able to change the world, but each of us can change the world of one person. We may not see anybody or somebody again in our life, but when you're going to the supermarket and you exchange a greeting or you ask somebody how they're doing, or maybe there's a couple of words that you can reach out to somebody just to make their day. That's a way that you can really affect them in a positive way. Mark Twain said the two most important days of our lives are the day when we're born and the day we understand why. No encounter is random. And if I go into a room, we all should be saying, what can I do to lift that person up? That, to me, is a wonderful way to lead a life of legacy because as I said about my mom, somebody said they said about my mom, she was a stranger to no one. Those were her five words they said about her. Imagine if we made sure that we weren't strangers to anybody. So that's another mm-hmm. principle. Mm-hmm. And I'll just leave you with one more, which is um, courageous choices. You know, the greatest gift, King Solomon said, is to have a good reputation and to make decisions that are based not on pressure but on principle. And thinking every day about what are our values and how do we ensure that we're making those decisions based not on convenience but on conviction. You know, in the words of Warren Buffett, he says, it takes 20 years to build a reputation. It takes five minutes to destroy a reputation. So being more authentic in what we're saying, are we givers or are we takers, those choices that we make and developing a positive reputation of being a kind person, a forgiving person, a patient person, a person who not waits to be asked. But, you know, and he's the kind of person who always volunteers. You know, he's a person who always has a smile on their face. That doesn't happen overnight. But if we are mindful that that's the kind of person we want to be, 
then we can develop into that person. So those are, you know, just a few of the principles um, in the book. And those are such beautiful ways that we should be living our life. And we could be giving so much comfort to others by practicing them. And I'm sure as a, a leader of a congregation, I'm sure that this is something that you've been talking about and thinking about a lot. And as we're preparing for whatever this new quote-unquote normal is, do you think our worship services will ever be the same? Depends, I guess, on how you define worship. I mean, I think that there's been a lot of um, a lot of heartfelt prayer during mm-hmm. this period of time, and I think that's a good thing. You know, prayer is less about the space that you're in and the amount of people that are with you, but, you know, in the end, it's a very personal thing. So I'm hoping the prayers will actually be deeper after this time. Whether or not they're done in the same communal way with the same proximity to each other, I think it's going to take a while to get there just because of all the social distancing. But what I've seen in my communities is, you know, these virtual connections have actually, to a certain degree, strengthened community. It's actually unleashed potential. We started something called um, Making Mitzvah Moments, which is a group of about 140 people on uh, WhatsApp, which is a uh, social media where people put volunteer opportunities. Somebody needs to go to CVS. Somebody needs a meal. There's a senior that needs this. And instantaneously, a stranger who doesn't know that person will chime in and say, I'll help that person. So there's been, I would say, a um, significant increase in creating community um, beyond the walls of the House of Faith that I hope that we can continue to mobilize uh, far beyond this. And that is the light in all of this darkness, and that is what we all need to focus on. Amen. You're right. (laughs) That's true. We do. We do. You're a good woman. Thank you for saying that. Rabbi Cohen's book is What Will They Say About You When You're Gone? Creating a Life of Legacy. Rabbi, where can our listeners go to get more information about you and your work? Thank you. They can go to my website, which is uh, www.rabbidanielcohen.com. RabbiDanielCohen.com. There's book information there. There's videos, and they can always reach out to me directly through that website as well. Once again, that's RabbiDanielCohen.com. Rabbi, thank you so much for coming back on the show. I truly enjoy speaking with you. I love your insight. So I thank you for being here and for sharing with us. Thank you. One other point, by the way, before we sign off, we do have now, actually, if you go on the website, you can download the first chapter of the book for free. And the book, actually, that chapter is the one that will help guide you identify what your best self is. So I encourage people to to do that and start that exercise. If anyone wants to take away from this conversation with you, it is to focus on the good, all of those things that are bringing light into other people's lives. That's where we need to place our focus. And by doing that, we will get through this all together. Yes, thank you so much. God bless you, your family, and we should all have much healing in the days ahead. This is Conversations with Joan. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.